There we go. We're going to get started, so go ahead and grab a seat. If you would, I guarantee you this message, you have not heard a message like it at all. And that's what we like to do here. My name is Dave Householder, blessed to be your Bible teacher. And in the Bible, there's the story of manna. And manna was the food that was given to the Israelites in the wilderness. And you had to gather it fresh. You had to gather it fresh because it would spoil. I think it's important that when we teach from the Bible that we teach fresh things. Uh, one of my pet peeves is listening to messages where two minutes into it you know where it's going. Because we've heard it all before. It's the same old sort of patterns, the same old thing. You know, it always ends up with Jesus dying for your sins, which is great. But the Bible is a lot richer than that. There's not just one message in the Bible. The Bible is so endlessly fascinating. And there's no limit to the amount of stuff we can get out of it to help our lives. It has such a corrective power over our lives and over our culture. People think that the Bible just sort of uh, comforts them, but really, and it can comfort us, but the Bible also corrects us. And this is one of those correcting sermons where the Bible corrects our culture because our culture from time to time gets off track and it needs to be kind of pushed back onto the road. We have a crisis in masculinity in our culture. What do I mean by that? Up until a couple generations ago, men did things that were dangerous and required a lot of strength. There were lots of farming things and there were lots of uh, uh, industrial things where you needed to have men doing it. And you might think, well, women could do some of those things too. Yeah, they can, but men have 40% more upper body strength on average than women. And so they ended up doing these hard industrial and agricultural jobs. Men and women aren't the same. We should, of course, have the same opportunities and the same rights, the same civil rights, the same legal rights. And men and women should be able to do whatever God has gifted them to do and be able to develop that. But men and women aren't the same. And it's really unpopular to say that right now. But the truth is, Men and women have different intelligence curves. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is that the average IQ for a man and a woman is almost identical. It really is. That doesn't mean that they have the same kinds of intelligence. Because the curve for women is like a bell curve. Most women have an IQ in that middle range. The men's IQ curve is flatter. What does that mean? That means there's a lot more men with a low IQ and a lot more men with a super high IQ and less in the, in the middle, which means men often end up in menial jobs because of that, the lower IQ jobs, and they often end up in leadership because of the high IQ jobs. And women have the same average intelligence as men, but there's more of it in the middle. So we're wired up differently, physically, mentally, and otherwise. God made us different. There's differences, differences in sexes in different species, and we're among the most variated of all the species. Men and women really don't. Birds are the same way, by the way. Birds are more colorful if they're men, but that's just a whole other thing. So the kind of picture I've got here of this guy at the blast furnace, 
those things are disappearing. Industrial jobs, farming jobs, because it's being mechanized. A lot of that stuff has been automated, which leaves men like, so what am I going to do? Work in a cubicle? How do I, how do I, how do I add my value to the culture? And so masculinity is somewhat in crisis in our culture as we're trying to find our place in the world as we've sort of been replaced by a lot of machines and other stuff. Go to the next slide if you would, Kim. This is also part of the problem. This is a bubble-wrapped kid. There's no question in my mind that we should be protective of our kids. There's also no question in my mind that it's gone too far that we create a situation where there's really almost no way that a kid can skin his knee. That's not good. It creates kids who've never challenged things and never tried things. My brothers in junior high got obsessed with a board game called APBA Baseball. It was very complicated. It was one of the, before computers, it was a very complicated game, a baseball game. And lots of cards and a playing thing and all this. And a neighbor kid from across the street, Paul, came over to play. And they got obsessed with it, as boys will do. Boys get obsessed with things from time to time, and they just get real overly focused. Finally, my dad realized they were never going outside anymore. The neighbor kid and my brothers were just sitting there pretty much using every spare minute to play this game. So my dad went down picked up the game and threw it away. The neighbor parents came over and complained. They said, well, this is keeping them off the streets. And my dad said, I'll take my chances. Because they're not getting outside anymore. They're not trying things. They're not doing anything. And I think it was one of the best things he did, to get them outside so that they could be boys. I'll take my chances. But a lot of parents now don't want to take the chances. So we bubble wrap our kids which creates weak men. Now, if you go to the next slide, here's the problem with soft boys. Soft boys become weak men. Weak men are dangerous. You look at the people who do the school shootings, and you look at the priests who abuse boys. These are not strong men. These are, these are weak men. These are men who've been overprotected. They're not men who are confident. They're men who are not confident. And it's weak men we have to worry about, not strong men. Weak men become abusers. And you look at the look at the notes and stuff they write before they do school shootings, and these are weak young boys. They're troubled, and they've been sometimes overprotected, almost always no father around. And this creates a real problem. The kids, weak, overprotected boys become weak older men, and weak older men can be abusive. Because they try to fight back and do all this stuff and make up for the fact that the, they've been bubble wrapped. And we've got lots of bubble wrapped men in our culture. So, today, this is uh, number 11 of 12 in our rules for life. Rule number 11 of 12, don't bother children when they are skateboarding. Let them try things. Let them skin their knees. Don't make them wear gobs of protective gear. Sure, wear a helmet, whatever, but let them skin themselves once in a while. Let them push themselves once in a while. We can overprotect kids. This goes for girls, too. But what we're talking about mostly today is masculinity. And boys of the age of the one up here on the screen like to push themselves. 
They like to go out there and try things and dare each other and see what the limits of their abilities are and do things that are hard on their skateboards. It's amazing what they can do on these things. I've got to try something a little bit harder than what my friend's doing. I'm going to work on something that he's not doing. And there's kind of a pushing that goes with that. We have a fantastic example of a skateboard kid in the Bible, David. King David, teenager, looked, from what I read about him and David and Goliath, like a skateboard kid. Tried on the, tried on the armor and too big because he's this wiry, skinny kid. And he wants to go on, take off, take on Goliath. Well, what happened? Why was he able to do that? He was able to do that because he was taking care of the sheep. And when he's taking care of the sheep, the sheep have predators. And he was in charge of what? Keeping the sheep safe from the predators, which means he had to get kind of tough once in a while. And he was kind of proud of that. Now, his parents didn't overprotect him. They put him out in the field by himself to what? Protect the sheep. And that's a good way to toughen somebody up. And he became an incredible soldier. But look what he says here in the Bible. Kim, just go with it as we go through these verses. 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 37. We're going to look at this here. But David persisted. They told him, you can't take on Goliath. He says, yeah, I can. I might be smaller and skinnier than all you grown-ups, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it because I've been testing myself. I've been out there. I've been toughening up in the field. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. The animal turns on me. I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he's defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. And King Saul says, all right, go ahead, and may the Lord be with you. But where did that come? This was not a weak, a weak young man. This was a strong young man. He was a strong young man because he'd been testing himself. He'd been out there trying stuff and probably failing. He probably lost a few sheep along the way. Didn't mention that. It's not like he succeeded all the time. I'm sure he woke up once in a while and the coyotes would get one. You know, they'd just be gone. But he's not going to use that in his testimony. But still, what I'm saying is you go out there and you do things where you might fail. It's important to try things. There's a lot of kids now who've been raised and bubble wrapped, and they refuse to try something that they won't succeed at. They're afraid to do it because they might might go wrong. I might get an A minus. I might, you know, uh, I might look stupid, so I can't go out for this. I can't make football teams right now. A lot of parents aren't letting their kids play football, and football is kind of dangerous. It's kind of dangerous, but it's a lot safer than what they might be doing if they're not playing football. And there's a toughening up of kids that comes with this. And if you overprotect young kids, they can end up being weak and they're weak grown-ups. And if they're weak grown-ups, they can be abusers and all kinds of stuff. So what do we do with all this? First of all, we look at the Bible. This is one of my biggest pet peeves about how the Bible is taught. Almost always, Jesus is presented as a humble, poor 
soft, nice carpenter. Almost always. And pictures of him look like someone you beat up in junior high. And that's not what he looked like. I'm sure he didn't look like that, but he looks just really soft and friendly. Jesus was, according to the Greek language, a tecton. We've translated it carpenter, which is a big mistake. It was translated carpenter because it was translated by monks who lived in England. And monks who lived in England worked with what? Wood. What do you build in in England? You build with wood. Yeah, some stone in England too. But in Israel, it's all stone. Now, when someone says, I'm a builder, do you think he's whittling chairs? Do you think he's making a little table for you know somebody down the street? No, you think of someone who's a builder. He says, hey, if you've got to build a tower, count the cost. What does that tell you about his business life? And he used stone all the time. The stone which the builders have rejected have become the head of the, cor- head of the corner. He even names his, uh, his, his key disciple, Peter, Rocky. Kephas, Peter, it means rock. He's using stone imagery all the time, never talking about wood. And all of his parables that have to do with business are from the position of management. They could be subtitled, it's hard to get good help. This is not a common labor. I read a fantastic book by a pastor recently, fantastic book. And yet he said, And Jesus was a humble day laborer. And I'm thinking, where do you get this? Folks, when he was crucified, they gambled for his clothing. You ever seen clothing worth gambling for? I mean, this is, this, this was not a poor person. Do you see him taking an offering any, anywhere? No. He went eye to eye with Pontius Pilate and everyone else. And he said, I could let you off. You got no power that wasn't given to you from somewhere else. I'm not afraid of you. And he would lead with his chin. Did he ever answer anybody nice? Only when they were in serious trouble. He generally cut people down a couple notches and rewired our thinking. Jesus was not a soft monk. They've turned him into like St. Francis of Assisi, who I call St. Francis the Sissy. But that's just a whole other thing. They, They really have. They've turned him into this soft, gentle person. And that person is not to be found anywhere in the Bible. I mean, religious authorities, you brood of vipers. I mean, that's, you know, Jesus, the family man. Woman, what's that got to do with me? I mean, seriously, this, this was a strong person. He was killed for being a strong person, for threatening the whole system. Oh, he was just a wise teacher. Folks, wise teachers don't get crucified. They get tenure, and they end up on PBS with 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 big eyebrows like laboratory rats and bow ties. They, they just don't. Oh, he was just, you know, just a peasant. I'm thinking his mother was part of the family of the high priests, and we know that because she and Elizabeth were tight. His stepfather was in the royal line. If there was a People magazine back then, his family would be in it. You know, Seriously. And they'd have all kinds of controversies about, you know, these, these, these high-end people. And he was a high-end guy and very educated. I've heard people say, oh, he was just an illiterate peasant, I'm thinking. The way he taught from the Bible? I don't think so. 
But we do this, we create our image of the ideal as this soft person. And we're going to talk about how churches can reinforce that. It's not so good. The Apostle Paul. Paul might have been the toughest person in the first century. Might well have been the toughest person. People say, I can't wait to go to heaven and spend time with Paul. You wouldn't last three days with Paul. Paul went through associate pastors like no one else. He just wore them out. He's with Barnabas. Oh, he's with Silas. Oh, he's with Timothy. You know, they just they keep quitting on him. And he goes into a town and starts riots. I mean, this is not the kind of person you want to hire for your pastor. Lots of jail time, start riots, you know, that kind of thing. It's just, and this was not a passive person. The Apostle Paul was incredibly assertive. God looked down and said, the only problem with this guy is he hates Christians. I have to turn this around. And look how Paul talks about his uh, soft pastorly life. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I've served him far more. I've worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. At the end of the book of Galatians, he says, I bear on my back the marks of Christ. Can you imagine what his back looked like, scar-wise, after five times getting 39 lashes? You probably couldn't see any skin there. It was probably just scars on top of scars. And this guy was serious. And he was a strong person, not a weak person. I've traveled on many long journeys. I've faced danger from rivers, from robbers. Faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, on the seas. Faced danger from men who claim to be believers but aren't. I've worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty, often gone without food, shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Besides this, I have to care about you folks, he said, the people he was writing to. That's not enough. Jesus and Paul were assertive men. They were strong men, and they protected the weak. Jesus would never abuse a kid. In fact, when he heard people were hurting children, it would be better for them if a stone was around their neck and be thrown into the sea because they're messing with kids. He was gentle and strong because he was a strong guy, not a weak guy. Weak guys are abusers. Strong guys are protectors. There's a difference. I told you you don't hear sermons like this in most other places. We need strong men who are protectors not weak men who are abusers. Strong men protect people. They protect children. They protect older people, smaller people. Can women protect themselves? Sure, you should be able to. Men are stronger. They're bigger. It's something they're more capable of doing in general. Many parents struggle to let their baby boys grow up. They don't want Christopher Robin to turn into Grizzly Adams. If I could just keep him cute and little... For a long time. And we overprotect our kids. And then when we do, sometimes churches make it worse by implying that to be a Christian kid means to be soft. I cannot tell you how many times growing up in a church, adults implied to me that since my dad was a pastor, I should be soft. It was implied to me over and over. That was the role I was supposed to take. I was supposed to be the softer kid. 
And that is damaging to kids. That's not helpful. When people become, when men become Christians, it's often assumed that they should act more like women. Which is not true. Paul and Jesus didn't act like women. They acted like strong, confident, God-fearing men. And sometimes churches can actually make things worse by implying to kids that they should be soft. And it's hard also for women. There's a lot of strong women, and that's great. Here's the problem. Strong women who want families have a hard time finding strong men because there aren't that many. It's tough. Most women who are strong want a man who's strong too. They want someone who can stand up to them, somebody who can challenge them, someone who can bring out the best in them. Some women, though, marry weak men so they can complain about it to their girlfriends. And you've all heard it, so you know what I'm talking about. But in your heart, heart of hearts, you wish you could find strong guys. Folks, if we don't produce strong men in our culture, what are strong women going to do who want families? What are they, who are they going to be able to find? It's tough. I know a lot of strong women who would love to get married but can't find a strong guy. And that's tough. It shouldn't be that way. Men push and dare. We push and dare each other. Please hear me. I'm not saying women, women shouldn't skateboard. I'm not saying women shouldn't push and dare. I'm just saying that masculinity is in a crisis. And men need to mentor men. And men need to help men grow up to be strong men who protect and don't abuse, who take care of people, who provide for people. This was taken by one of the guys in our men's group our Monday morning men's group, this took place last week in Huntington Beach. They got a volunteer from the crowd, a woman, a girl up there to stand up there and had somebody ride his bike over the top of her. At least she didn't have an apple on her head. But but what are, what are these young people doing? They're pushing their, they're pushing their boundaries, pushing their limits. Yes, it, it did make quite easily, by the way, quite easily, by the way. And I'm not saying go out and do stupid things. But but there's such a thing, there's such a thing as risking a little bit. I hadn't skied for 20-some years. I grew up in the mountains in Idaho. I hadn't skied forever. I skied with these guys recently. But I hadn't skied for all this time, and my surfing buddy said, let's go to Mammoth. So I said, okay, uh, what's that like? They said, big, okay, we'll go up there. So we left at 3 in the morning, went up there, and they said, I said, well, where are we going to go? I said, well, let's just take the chairlift up. And I had rented skis and the whole thing. And they said, let's go off the cornice. I said, well, I haven't skied for 26 years. And they said, well, you'll, you'll catch a little air, but as long as you tuck, you know, it'll be fine. But, folks, these are my surfing friends. I had to do it. Yeah, this is what men do. They push each other. And I'm so glad I did it. It all came back. Like it's the same old muscle memory stuff. It all came back. I'm fine. But at, at people But this is what guys do. And there's really nothing wrong with that. It's healthy. It strengthens us. It pushes us. A little competition is a good thing. Can it go too far? Sure it can. Did they go too far? Probably. But don't bother kids when they're skateboarding. 
let them be tough. Let them be strong. Let them grow up to, to work with tools, to have trades, to do different things. We're lacking people in trades right now because we've told all the boys they have to go to college. That's not true. We need welders. We need air conditioning guys. You're just crying for air conditioning guys to show up that can actually be tough enough to get up there on the roof and do stuff. Shane, who's here most Sundays, he, he climbs trees and trims them. He doesn't use those, those big thingies. Actually climbs them, and, and he has a real hard time finding people who will climb trees and, and trim trees. And we need to tell her, not every kid has to go to college. Some kids need to, to learn a trade and, and make a great living doing it. So what we're going to do is we're going to get in groups. We're doing discussion questions just during this sermon series for 12 weeks. Do you think that celebrating strong women needs to come at the expense of young Whoop. Does the church discourage toughness in boys as they're growing up? Why do you think weak men are so dangerous? And what boys are in your sphere of influence? And how can you help them become stronger men?